Okay. For a change of voice, I've invited my wife up to come and read. <laughs> Should do this more often. <laughs> so, um, today I'll put my glasses on <laughs> so I can see. Um, I'm reading from Colossians chapter 1 and verses 1 to 14. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out to all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. And we also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. And may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Yes, good stuff that. Thank you. So we're continuing on in our journey through the book of Colossians, um, the introduction two or three weeks ago, and then last week, I believe, apart from rocking it out, <coughs> bringing in the flags, um, <laughs> for those that were here, it's an in-joke, uh, you heard about how Epaphras had taken the gospel to Colossae. 
And today we're going to be looking at verses 9 and 10, which read like this. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. <clears throat> Paul had never visited this church, but he'd heard about it. And uh, what he'd heard was the church were do doing very well, they were growing, they were maturing, and uh, he is he's really pleased for them, but he wants them to keep going. Now, we know that the Colossian church were clearly doing well because in other letters of Paul, where a church isn't doing well, he tells them so. He says, it's great, I'm really pleased, I'm writing to you, but why are you not following the gospel? Why are you so divided? Why this? Why that? And for Colossians, he doesn't do that. So this is a church that was going very well. And yet his passion for them is that they continue to go well and they continue to grow. And particularly, um, in, first of all, he wants them to grow in the knowledge of God's will. Now, that's interesting because for most of us, when we think of growing in our knowledge of God, we think of perhaps doing a Bible study. We think of maybe going to college, going to a Bible school. We think of acquiring knowledge about God. But Paul's first concern for this church is you're doing well, but grow in the knowledge of his will. You don't need to grow <coughs> at the moment for this bit in the deep theological truths. You don't need to be growing in understanding what the Trinity is. You don't need to be growing so much in the understanding of salvation. It's not about understanding. It's about growing in what God wants you to do. Not about an academic learning. And that's important because all of us can grow in the knowledge of God's will. We can also grow in our knowledge of God, as we'll come to a little bit later on. But the first thing for Paul was grow in the knowledge of his will. Grow in knowing what God wants you to do. <clears throat> and it's not hard to know what God wants you to do. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 is Jesus speaking, telling us what we are to do. And he says this, I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What does God want us to do? He wants us to love one another, care for, support one another. As Sarah shared with us about Tracy, to pray for Tracy as she goes through the grief of losing her father, as she prayed for Leslie and I and all the funerals we've been to in the first part of this year, and you prayed for us as an, an act of love. 
God wants us to grow in loving one another. John 6, 28 to 29. This is a crowd talking to Jesus, and they say to him, we want to do God's work. What should we do? So here was a crowd that were excited. I want to surrender everything to God. I want to do what God wants me to do. And this is what Jesus says they should do. This is the only, God, only work that God wants from you. So this sort of makes it quite important. This is the only thing that God wants you to do for him. It's believe in the one he has sent. God's greatest command for humanity is believe in Jesus. Believe that he came, he lived, he died, he rose again, he ascended into heaven. Believe that he is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. Believe in what Jesus has accomplished for us. That his, his death, resurrection and ascension has changed eternal destiny when we believe in him, turn from our own way, baptized, filled with the Spirit. The work of God is to believe in Jesus. That's not so hard, is it? Growing in the will of God, growing in our strength, in believing in who Jesus is, There's another thing God wants us to do, 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. This is Paul talking. He's talking to his particular disciple, Timothy. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people, whether they support red or blue. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. What does God want us to do? He wants us to pray for our world. Pray that we might have peace and peaceful and quiet lives that we can share the gospel for God wants everyone to be saved and to, uh, and to understand the truth 1 Peter 1.16 be holy for I am holy says God as we sang this morning being holy is about being separated from the world we live in to live like God lived, to live like Jesus did, to be in the world but not part of it, to be distinctive, to reflect God's character and nature. Paul prays for them that they will grow in the knowledge of his will. We can all grow more and more into understanding what God wants us to do. Paul doesn't want us to have just a, <coughs> an intellectual knowledge of God. 
He wants us to have a dynamic knowledge of God, where God is changing our lives, making us more like Jesus, and we are living our lives more and more as he would live if he were here. And then he goes on to say, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Christianity is about a living relationship with God. And it's open to everyone because you don't have to pass certain tests. You don't have to know certain um, you have to know the truths but sometimes you can't understand them because they're beyond our human comprehension it is the Holy Spirit that has revealed Jesus to us it's the Holy Spirit that continues to teach us it is the Holy Spirit that opens the Bible up to us I, work, uh, I worked with a, a guy in West Africa who was totally illiterate. He couldn't read and he couldn't write. He did, however, speak, I think it's 10 different languages. <laughs> couldn't read any of them, couldn't write any of them, but he could speak about 10 languages. And he knew God people had read the Bible to him. People had talked to him about the Bible truth. And he had taken it in. When people spoke, he heard. He understood. He got hold of the stories of the Bible. And he was part of uh, the senior leadership of a, of a thriving church. But couldn't read or write. I went with him to a meeting when we were looking to buy some land. Um, I sort of went as the Western, this is kosher type person. <laughs> but of course, they'd written out a contract. So we had a guy reading the contract in one language, him interpreting it into another language to one of the other church leaders, and me sitting there, smiling brightly. I don't know what I'm doing here, but... <laughs> because it wasn't about... It's not about how much you can read and write. It's how much you can receive from the Spirit of God. Continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And then he says this, so that there's a purpose that we know the will of God. There's a purpose to it. And the purpose is, one, that we live a life worthy of God. And that is that our lives reflect in everyday life what God is like. Our world needs to see a church that is reflecting God. 
It needs to see it. What it sees so much at the moment is what they perceive as our bigotry over saying that there's a God in heaven that has said how, how people should live. Our bigotry in that we say Jesus is the only way to know God. Our bigotry in that we want our children to learn about God. The, the world out there doesn't see the church well. But I bet you anything that there are people at work that you work with that see you well. They see you as a good person. They don't, uh, they don't understand you entirely and some of the things that you stand for they don't like but they like you because you are reflecting something of God in your workplace you are reflecting his love for all people you are reflecting a practical care for people you are a person that brings encouragement into your office, into your school place, into your shop, wherever you work, wherever you are, because you carry with you the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God gives encouragement. Now, a lot of you are thinking, yeah, that's not me. I am confident that it is you because I see the glory of God on you. I know you are taking God to where you live, the street in which you live, the place where you work, the place where you shop. People know that you're different because you know something of the will of God and you're looking to work that out. And in doing so, you are pleasing God. Very few of us probably sit down at the end of the day, put our feet up on the chair, table, or just lie there, sit there, and say, God, I just want your affirmation tonight. And he comes. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done would have been good if you'd left the film and gone and prayed like I said but I know your heart your heart is to surrender everything to me your heart is to serve me your heart is to please me your heart is to know more of my will that's what's in you and that's what I see and that's the affirmation that God gives he is pleased he's looking to change us but he's pleased with us we want to grow in the knowledge of God so that we can live a life worthy of him so that we can please him and so that we can bear fruit in every good work and this is what Paul saw in the church. He said, you're growing, you're bearing fruit, 
but I want you to be more fruitful. And God's heart for us as people is that we are more fruitful. We've got more people coming Sunday by Sunday. But my question is, are more people coming into Northampton percentage-wise than we are growing? So is Northampton growing at like 8 or 9% as a population, whereas we're growing at 2%? Great 2%, but it means we're shrinking by 4% in, in line with the rest of the population. And God wants us to be growing faster as a people than the population around us. Because he wants us to be bearing fruit in every good work and seeing people come to salvation, seeing people transferred, as Leslie read, from death to life, from one kingdom to the kingdom of God, to being ruled by God's enemy, to understanding his love. He wants us to be growing in that. He wants us to be growing in his kingdom coming. The early church went around preaching the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is righteousness. <coughs> righteousness, peace, and love, joy. That's it, joy. And the kingdom of God is power. And he wants us to be bearing fruit, becoming more righteous people like him. More <coughs> people in the midst of a world that is in turmoil that carry peace around us. More people that are full of joy because we are full of hope, full of expectation, full of the knowledge that God is in heaven looking after us. He wants us to see more of the healings and miracles and setting people free that the kingdom of God brings when it brings power. We want to grow in the knowledge of God God's will so that we live a life worthy, we please him and we bear fruit in every good work. Who wants to be fruitful? Yes, we'll shout it. Who wants to be fruitful? fruitful? <laughs> Let's grow in the knowledge of God's will. And then fourthly here, we do want to grow in our knowledge of God. Because our knowledge of God will increase our knowledge of his will. When we understand God's love for humanity, I don't often quote archbishops, <clears throat> but I'm about to. Um, Rowan, it's, I did write it down, can't even read it. Williams, Rowan Williams said this, Inclusiveness is not a mark of the kingdom. Welcome is. Inclusiveness is not a mark of the kingdom, but welcome is. Which is an interesting statement, but it is true. The kingdom of God is fairly exclusive. It's those that know what it is to have tasted repentance, faith, baptism, and to be taken into the kingdom of God. But among us, welcome 
Anyone. 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 We want a church full of people that are not like us. We want a church full of people that are like individually you and me. We want people flocking in to hear who Jesus is. But moving from just everybody, everybody knows Jesus, to everybody does know Jesus. Everyone is welcome, but the church of God is a distinct people. And we need to grow in our knowledge of God, what his love actually looks like. What his holiness is like. What Jesus did as he walked on the earth. What the deep truths of our salvation, what it means to be forgiven, what it means to be adopted into his family, what it means to be seated in heavenly places with Jesus, what it means that his blood has cleansed us from all our wrongdoing. We want to know more of all those things. So where we, where, where we can, we study, we read. How do we do this? How do we grow in the knowledge of God's will? Well, this really is only one way to do it, of these four ways, of all these four. We need to read our Bibles. We don't read our Bibles just to get through, if we're reading a Bible in a year, to get through it for the year. We're reading to find out about God. But we read it with spiritual wisdom. See, some people, when I first became a Christian, there was a lot of, learn this verse, memorize it. And for some people, that is absolutely brilliant. Just learn a verse of the Bible, brilliant. For me, it was useless, because it made no sense. A little verse, I can make that say anything. What I wanted was the whole story of the Bible. What was God after? And so I tended to read lots of the stories, and that's how I learned my truth. Other people, like my friend from West Africa, people read it to him. He asked questions about it. He took the stories and saw what they were saying. Some people are great at reading, and they take it all in. I read three pages and I'm asleep and then I wake up and I read the three pages again because I've never read them before it's all gone I have a daughter she reads a book and she's like can recite the first paragraph she knows all the characters in the book she knows what, the, what everyone did I'm like how do you do that how do you do it <laughs> Later. <laughs> and listen to how people talk about reading their Bible and see which one fits best for you. Pray. 
I quite like praying on my own, in a room on my own, walking up and down. <coughs> that would drive my wife just nutty. She just she couldn't do that. But then she can pray while she washes up or loads the dishwasher or whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm well. I don't load the dishwasher because I don't know how to do it. Apparently. <laughs> But I'm, I, I can empty it. But I still can't pray when I empty it because holding a lot of plates and praying doesn't work for me. I'm having to concentrate. But she can do that. How do you best pray? In the morning, midday, late at night, whatever. But pray whenever you can. Fellowship together. Sharing our lives in Jesus. We've got a lot... We've got a lot to learn as a people, as a church, in just sharing our stories. We've got to um, re-energize our storytelling of what God is doing in our lives because that's so encouraging to us. It's so great to know what God's doing for this one and that one, how he worked this situation out. What, what you've learned from the Bible is different from what I've learned this week. And we've got a lot to grow in sharing that together, in fellowshipping. And then just break bread, eat together. The New Testament is particularly full of eating together and breaking bread together, remembering Jesus in our homes, wherever we are together. I've had to rush through because my time is gone. Paul's prayer for this church, which was flourishing, it was going well, was that they grow more in the knowledge of God's will so that they might please him, they might um, affect the world in which they live and that they might continue to grow in their knowledge of God as well as in the will of God. Let's stand. Father, today as your people, as we've worshipped you, we've sung a lot about dedicating our lives to you. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to enable us to grow in the knowledge of your, of your will. That we might please you that we might reflect you in our society, that we may as a people be growing in every good work, in our homes, in our streets, in our workplaces, in our leisure time. But in all of it, we might be pleasing you and growing in every good work. We might grow in our in our serving the communities in which we live, in caring for those in Turkey who are suffering, in Ukraine who are suffering, in Nigeria and all that's going on there, Father, that we here in Kettering might be growing in caring for the world we live in. And Father, we ask you that you would continue to help us understand who you are and what you've done for us, that we might please you even more. Amen.